0: Today's guest is Ronnie Lambrecht. She was a typical wife and mom working long hours to make ends meet when her entire world changed in a split second. Now, Ronnie is an award-winning author of three books, Parenting at Your Best, A Parent's Guide for Journaling to Their Child, and A Parent's Journal to Their Child. And she is going to take us through how to move forward after tragedy as you connect the dots on your journey forward. You're listening to the Connect the Dots podcast with me, Heather Balseric. This show is designed to help you navigate your career, understand your customer's experience, and bring us together as we learn more about our communities. So tune in, turn it up, and get ready to Connect the Dots. So back in November of 2019, I went to a conference called Blisdom. I went by myself, and on the very first day, we had some icebreaker sessions, and in one of the groups I I went to, that's where I met Ronnie for the first time. Her smile and charm instantly made me feel more comfortable in the sea of people, and we started talking. Immediately, I knew that if this podcast was going to happen, I wanted her to share her story. There are so many things we can gain from understanding the experiences of others. And when faced with things you never saw coming, you can choose how it drives you forward. And Ronnie's story shows us how you can turn tragedy into a driving force for change. All right, Ronnie, how are you, my dear? I'm good. It's good oh, to be it's, here. <laughs> I have such a pleasure to have you on the show. You are my first official guest. Woohoo! Uh So I'm very <laughs> excited to have you here. And I've told everybody a little bit about how we met. And now I want them to know from you. I want you to tell us about yourself. Tell us about your son, the books you've written. Just give them all the knowledge about how wonderful, <laughs> uh, all the wonderful things that you, you're you going to bring to us today.
1: Awesome. Um, well, I'm Ronnie Lambrecht, and um, realtor by trade, and um, kind of an author by accident. And um, we, the way all this kind of happens is that we actually lost our son uh, six years ago, this last Sunday, actually. Um, and sorry, I always get choked up here. <laughs> um, we were on a family vacation for Christmas in Glamis, California, when we lost him, and um, he he was riding his four-wheeler, and he was hit head-on by a sand rail. Um, usually, the first question that people always ask is, what's a sand rail? Uh, and that's a large, um, like a dune buggy, I guess, for the sand, but it's about six times the weight of his four-wheeler, and he was hit head-on by a sand rail. Um, and the two kids that were driving the sandrail uh, it was actually their very first first ride actually in the sandrail and um, so they were they were still learning and all that kind of stuff. so um, anyway, he was hit head on and killed instantly, and um, we always try and look at it that he went out doing what he loved uh, but the fact of the matter is, it doesn't matter how he went or when he went. Just the fact is that he is gone now. And um, anyway, and we're not going to cry today. Sorry, <laughs> did that before we started, so <laughs> that's <right. laughs> um, So anyway, we do a lot of crying when it's when we're all by ourselves. I try on these when I do a podcast to so not not get too emotional. Um, And kind of hold it, rein it in, I guess. But um, since we've lost, our son's name was Dalton, and since we've lost Dalton, we've really tried uh, to to leave a legacy in his memory and to do things in his memory that will affect other people in good ways. And so one of the very first things we did was we started a big pay it forward campaign in his memory. Um, Pay it forward was our very favorite Book or yeah, book and movie, and um and so we just started this campaign called Pay It Forward, and we ask people to do a random act of kindness for someone, um, and then we hand out these little cards um, that says, you know, we're performing this random act of kindness in memory of Dalton, and if and when you can, please uh, pay it forward. So we did that first, and then um, after that, we decided to. I say we all the time, my husband and I, Um, (laughs) uh, but he wanted me to write uh, uh, some books and kind of talk about parenting without regrets because my husband has a ton, ton of regrets in parenting Dalton. Um, And believe me, it's not that he was a bad father or anything, but uh, he has a ton of regrets. And so what he wanted to do was use my writing skills and kind of, um, a lot of what he's been going through as we've been missing Dalton, obviously for the last six years. Um, but to try and share with other people, the things that he really regrets and, you know, obviously things that I regret too, but just the life in general of things that happen so that we can help other parents not have the same regrets if something were to happen to them or their child.
0: So that's that in a nutshell. (laughs) <laughs> and and even though I, I know I have heard part of that story before it's still for me and, and I don't have kids and but the whole premise of kind of what you want to do and paying it forward and making sure that you're living that life without regret is just it really speaks to me in so many ways and i'm ho- hopefully the the audience can can understand a little bit more as we go through the questions I have for you today. We can kind of dig in to the, how your story and the things that you're doing kind of relate to this podcast and the first thing that we that we want to talk about is career so okay. you mentioned that you were a realtor before yes. uh, so you 've had um, you know a career before you started writing books. So talk to us a little bit more about how that, how you came through, you know, your, your first career, you know, through the accident and then how that kind of changed your course um, in your career path.
1: Gotcha. Um, well, I've been in the real estate industry for 24 years, 25 years, actually. Um, and I started out as a closer and, um, and have continued that part of the path. But I've been a realtor now uh, for the last oh, what is that, 11 years, I guess, Um, anyway, so, and that was my, that was what I was, I was doing that, um, and actually working another job (laughs) when I lost Dalton, and, and since then, it kind of changes your trajectory in that, um, and this sounds really crazy, but in real estate, and I know in what you do as well, um, you're spending so much time with people in general and you're, you're getting to the nitty gritty of their lives and you're with them all the time. And the first two years after Dalton died, it was like my sphere of, of clients kind of dried up. And, and several people even told me that they didn't want to spend time with me driving around in the car to find houses and that kind of a thing, because they were scared that what they would say and, how we would talk and how we would communicate. And, um, and while I, while I've always tried to be very open and, and um, very easy to talk to, and I try not to dwell on, you know, dwell on the bad things and, you know, all that kind of stuff. um, People maybe that didn't know me so well, but knew that we had lost our son, didn't want me to go you know, take them on a Saturday to see 12 houses because they knew they'd be in the car with me for 12 hours and that that could get pretty personal. And a lot of people in the world apparently don't like to get personal. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've, we've really learned that a lot, actually, since we've lost mm-hmm. all, and there's several crazy things that you learn that you never anticipated. But one of those things is that people either really want to know the details or they don't want to have a thing to do with it. And they don't want to talk about it and they want to pretend it didn't happen. And, and they don't care if you want to talk about it. And so, so what I found was for the first two years after we lost Dalton, I didn't do any real estate. In fact, because I, um, because people felt uncomfortable and I didn't want anyone else to feel uncomfortable because I already feel uncomfortable. I'm, it's like, I'm a whole new person. I'm, outside of this body and this human being that I used to be watching myself on a daily basis go through life. um, It's, it's a total outer body experience. And it still is even today, there's a lot of days you wake up and you feel like you're kind of watching yourself go through the motions of life. And, um, and so for, for two years after we lost Dalton, I had decided that I wasn't even going to do real estate, I wasn't going to attempt it you know, I would keep up with my marketing and sphere and that kind of thing. And, and I never did a lot of marketing in the first place, you know, emails and that kind of stuff every now and then. But, um, but yeah, so I just kind of, I gave up actually those first two years on real estate because I didn't, I just didn't want to make anyone else feel uncomfortable. And then I had a really, really close friend and neighbor down the street. And he said, I want to buy a house. I've been renting in this other house for so long, and I want to buy a house and I want you to be my agent. And I said, I don't want to be your agent. I don't want to do this. <laughs> I don't want to. And, um, and crazy thing is, he had lost his mother when he was 15 years old, and we lost Dalton when he was 15. And so, total opposite circumstances, but we were very, very close to this guy. Um, and, um, Anyway, and he just basically forced me back into it. And he said, you know what? You got to get back on the horse. You got to do this. You got to, you're so good at it. You cannot just throw this all away because you lost all. And he would be so mad at you that you just threw everything away. And so here I am like, I don't want to do this. And I I know you don't want to spend this time with me. And I know, and he's like, I do want to spend time with you. And it was actually the perfect way for me to get back into real estate because we spent months together looking for a house and he, um, he forced me to talk every single time we were in the car together and driving and going to a different house and that kind of stuff. He forced me to talk about it, which then, you know, kind of forced me to ask questions about his mom and his experience and his feelings and that kind of a thing. And um, so then I got back into it. And so so I am while well, i'm um, we just moved to Tennessee, and so <laughs> i I haven't gotten my license yet. I've done all my testing, and i'm I think next week I should have my license in my hand but yeah, <laughs> anyway, so I am back into real I will be back into real estate here in Tennessee and um anyway but and but I'm still writing and still uh still trying to figure out if I have more books in me or if the three that I've written are if I'm done. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so. so, you talked about taking those two years off. So, when did you write the books? Was it in those two years that you kind of started that process? Yes. Yeah. So, um,
1: so uh, in what was it? 2015, I guess, in October of 2015. So, two years, after, almost two years after we had lost Dalton, um, I decided that I was going to take all day Fridays um, off of everything off my job, off of real estate, off of everything, and that I was just going to write. And so, um, so I did that. I wrote for like eight to 12 hours every Friday. Um, and it's incredible just as a writer in general. If you set a specific time to write and you have to do it, you know, you got to create a habit and do it for, you know, a month or whatever. But then your body and your brain and everything somehow know that those are the days or that's the time that you're going to write. And it works out really slick. So (laughs) anyway, so I did for every single Friday, um, up through March of the next year, I took off of everything and shut my phone off and shut my doors and sat and and wrote and wrote my books. Um, And then in from March to April, I wrote every single day, I took I quit my job and completely just focused 100% on the books because my goal was that I wanted the books to be completely finished and turned into the editor on Dalton's birthday, which was April 25th. So that was my goal. So it took about, uh, six and a half months, I guess is what it took to actually write all three books. So,
0: yeah. Wow. That's, that's dedication. And I love to hear that because everybody it's easy in this, in this day and age to go, Oh, well that you just wrote a book. Boom. It was done. And, yeah, <laughs> And everything looks like an overnight success, right. um, but it's never, <laughs> nobody's ever an overnight success. It's, it's months of hard work. It's that dedication of saying every Friday I'm going dark and this is what I'm doing. Exactly. Looking through the the hard times. So that is such a testament to just the work that it takes to accomplish a dream that you have, yes, so, absolutely um and I know I put this question in here, and I think it's um when I sent these to you, but what are some of the tools and resources that you used when you started to write your book and started to get ready to do like podcasts and speaking how what are some of those resources that if somebody's looking to do that kind of thing that they can go out and and look into
1: oh absolutely, so I um Somehow, I, I don't even remember how, but I got kind of hooked into this lady. Her name is Polly Latofsky, and she owns a company called My Word Publishing, um, and she had written an incredible book uh, called Three Miles Per Hour, and where she walked across the world um, in for breast cancer um, research and that kind of thing. Anyway, and um, any, she she had written her book, and she had done one of those online platforms to write her book, and... And then in the in the process and everything, found out how she was just getting totally taken advantage of. And she's never received, a, you know, in seven years, she'd never received an, a royalty or anything off of her books. Um, anyway, and so basically what she's done now is she started this company called My Word Publishing, where she teaches authors how to self-publish their own books so that you don't get caught in the scam of these Internet publishers. and um and all of the all of the kooks that are out there trying to steal your money and your time and that kind of a thing. Um but anyway she actually got tied into a long-term contract and I think if I remember correctly it was either five or seven years that she got tied into a contract where she was not able to um get any royalties on her book or anything, much less could she write another book or do anything and release it because then she'd be tied to this person and this company all over again. Um, anyway, and so what she 's done is she 's now taken that platform, and she 's teaching all these other authors and Somehow, I met her I think it was at a women 's group a women 's group and um and she spoke and she talked about her journey and then I was like oh well i 'm writing this book, maybe I should talk to her and then found out that she was having these classes, and they were it was like one Saturday a month for six months, um, but they were all about self publishing and what you need to do as an author and um, all about the back-end business side of writing a book and what to expect. You know, because like you said, we all think, oh, you wrote this book and it's all successful and la-di-da. And and when in all reality, the writing of the book is the really easy part. And it's the back-end stuff that is so incredibly difficult. Everything from getting your copyrights to um, your ISBN numbers, to getting it up on Amazon, to, you know, there's so much out, you know, outside of just writing the book that is so huge in the actual success of it. So um, the fact that I have these books is fantastic, but the fact that I can do the back-end business side of it now <laughs> is um, is a total testament to Polly Litovsky at MyWord Publishing. She's amazing. So, so she would be the first and foremost biggest tool um, that I had to work with. Um, in the process but then I also I'm I am a huge networker and and when you just put out there what you want to do and what your plans are and that kind of a thing people kind of attract to you um, you know with what they have to offer or what they've been through or that kind of a thing and so it's kind of in my nature just to kind of use the tools I've been given. I have a whole chapter on the book on that, <laughs> but use the tools I've been given. And that can be people that can be stuff. It can be classes. It can be whatever. Um, but just taking what's out there and, and, and learning from it. And so if you meet an incredible person, then you, and maybe they've written a book or teach classes about writing a book or what, however it is, but you, you, take them to lunch or whatever you do, whatever you need to do to get an hour's worth of their time and, and gain their knowledge. And hopefully you can impart some wisdom on them as well. Um, But anyway, I, I just love to, I love to meet people in general, but, um, but I think the biggest key is just getting yourself out there, putting it out there, what your, what your plan is, what your goal is. um, And, and then people kind of attract to you and you, And then you use the knowledge and you be open to it. That's the really big key is being open to what people have to say. You know, there was, I bet you there were a hundred people who told me, do not write a book. Don't write a book. Don't write a book because it's so much work. You have no idea what you're going to face when you get out, you know, past writing the books and all that kind of stuff. And, And obviously now being past the writing part, I know what they're talking about. It's the marketing of the book and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And it is, it's hard. Um, But I certainly would never tell someone don't write or, you know, don't do your dream or don't, you know, don't do what you had planned on doing. Um, But I would give people extra tools and other ideas of what they could be um, using to do those things. So anyway, and but I did. I met so many people who said, don't do it. Don't do it. It is a waste of your time. It's a waste of your money. (laughs) Wow, it gives um, you for, to keep
0: going though, like just because people are like, don't do it. Like, it, so many people would be deterred by that, and be like, gosh, well, yes. that's a lot of work. Maybe I'll do something different. Exactly. Maybe I'll write a blog about it, and then it's not so
1: hard. <laughs> exactly. Well, and it was really fun. Like, at one of the classes I went to, this lady, she's a publicist and She was going around the room and asking about people's names or whatever. And she said, Lambrecht. And I said, yes. And she goes, you cannot write a book with that name. And I was like, what do you mean I can't write a book with that name? And she says, nobody will remember Lambrecht. You can't write a book with that name. And I left there thinking, well, Lambrecht was Dalton's last name. And I have to write the book with with my last name, you know, with our last name, with our family name. And I was so devastated. (laughs) But you know what? You got to take all the information in you can get, and you got to filter. That's right. You got to have that. Filter. What's good for me? And, exactly. I remember driving home that day, and and again, this is just after you know after Dalton had died, and I'm and I'm so emotional in general, and so I probably took it way more personal than I should have. But she was just adamant. You cannot use Lambrecht on your book. You have to come up with a new name. And I'm like, I can't. in honor of my son I have to use my name
0: (laughs) gosh oh my goodness well and I liked that you talked about kind of putting out what you want it's that law of attraction absolutely yes you know saying the things that you want and and I know from just even it seems like it's been forever. Um, but just a month and a half ago when we were at Blistem, exactly <laughs> it feels so long ago, I, mean, I have been intentionally doing that more than ever, just yes. putting it out there. Here's what I'm doing. I talk about this podcast and cause as we're recording this, you know, it's not officially launched yet. I'm getting ready right. to do that exactly. very soon. And so it's putting it out there. It's letting people know, and it's setting those intentions. So thank exactly. you for that reminder. Cause it's, something that people forget. Absolutely. You get in the slog, you know, you yes. get in, you're trying and you're trying and, and you just forget sometimes when you get right. in the middle of it.
1: Well, and I also think it's real important too, to make sure that you are putting it out there to people because that also makes you accountable. Yes. So if you are going to do this podcast, you know what? You've told a billion people about it already. You got
0: to get on it. <laughs> all, all my Blistem girls are like, where's your podcast at? <laughs> Um, So you've um, talked a little bit about this, but how did you decide who you wanted to serve with the message? So obviously the book is called Parenting at Your Best, but how did you decide who to serve uh, with the message?
1: Well, you know, that was really incredible. uh, And it's great that you bring that point up because usually when someone loses a child or something, the first thing that they want to do is maybe write a book about grief Um, and I was told by many people, you should write a book about grief, Um, and that might be my next venture. I'm not sure, Um, but I just kept thinking there's got to be more to this, and then when I was putting things out on Facebook, and I was, uh, we've been very open during our journey, and that kind of a thing, and when I was putting, um, putting things out on Facebook, and other platforms, and that kind of a thing, because people would, uh, ask so many questions, you know, how are you doing? And what are you guys doing to fill your time? And, you know, all these kind of questions. And because you get the same question over and over and over and over and over and over, um, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to write a Facebook post or a blog about this, so that I don't get the same question so many times. Um, Anyway, but it was incredible that um, these people would come back and say, Oh, my gosh, what you wrote um, has made me decidedly and mindfully change what I'm doing with my child today or how I'm hanging out with my child or the questions I'm asking my child or um, just so many things. People were, but it all seemed to be coming back. People saying that our story and the things that I was writing were helping them focus more and be more mindful in their parenting. And so that was happening. And then on the, on the other side of things my husband John was consistently saying I wish we could put out there you know I wish we could tell parents who are still lucky enough to have their kids I wish we could tell them like all the things that we sucked at so that they can be better at it and all the things that you know I have regrets about that I don't want them to have regrets about what if they lose their baby I don't want anybody else to feel the way that I feel and um Anyway, and so it all just kind of transpired, and then all these people were saying, you should write a book, you should write a book, you should write a book, and then I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> so I've got John saying it, and then all these people on Facebook and LinkedIn and all that kind of stuff saying it, and and then I was like, okay, so maybe I should, because there's a call for it, people are asking for it, um, and so that's really when I decided to that parents would be our audience, because it seemed like, I was resonating more with parents who had children more than I was resonating with parents who had lost children, if that makes any sense. Um, and so I thought, well, then apparently that's my audience. It's kind of already built in. It's my, it's my sphere already. And we're going to help those people who are still lucky enough to have their babies. And so that's, that's kind of how the book idea
0: transpired. Yeah. Yeah, oh, I love it. I just, I, I love, because one of the things for me in talking to people is I love to hear and to see the passion and that, that they have for what they're doing.
1: And I yes. know that, you know,
0: I can see you right now, but obviously the audience <laughs> can't, <laughs> but if y'all, if you could see her, just her face lights up and just this passion is so evident. Thank um, you. So, okay. <laughs> see, I'm going to cry. Stop. <laughs> it in, Heather. It in. <laughs> okay. And you talked about, I, I'm going to just touch this question. You don't have to answer it because you kind of did a second ago, but just kind of seeing that future and your customer changing and maybe serving that customer a little differently. And you talked about maybe, maybe a book on grief is, is next. And, and I think that that is something that even though, I mean, I've been through my share of different things. I lost a sister. I've lost my stepdad. I lost my grandmother. And You know, so there's a lot of different things, a lot of grief that I've gone through at different stages of my life, and I've never read a book on grief. Okay, interesting. I've I've not, and I feel like maybe I should have. (laughs) (laughs) I bet you after we lost Dalton, I
1: bet you I read every book there was on grief. I read so many books on grief, and not a single one helped. Yeah. Nothing. Helped. and especially the ones that tell you that that grief happens in stages and they're liars let me just tell you that um, <laughs> you're in a billion stages all at once in your grief um it's never just one thing at a time but um but yeah so i if i wrote a grief book again i would take a different take on it i wouldn't do what everyone else has done people who have written grief books previously are writing to the griever themselves when they really should be writing to the people who are supporting the griever. Um, And so if I were to write a grief book, it would be um, to those people who are surrounding that griever to tell them all of the things that they could help with. Um, And it's funny that that's kind of all come about because now, because I've been so vocal on our journey with Dalton and that kind of a thing. um, Now it seems like sadly enough, people lose children daily in the United States and all over the world, obviously, um, which is just disgusting. And that's the worst part of all of this is to know other people are going through this, I think. Um, Sorry, get choked up there. Uh, (laughs) But but it seems like people now who know someone who has lost a child, they just heard someone so-and-so lost a child. And it seems like I am almost the first person that they contact and they say, I know you don't know this person, but can you help me? I don't know what to do. And, um, So what would the next steps be for me to be able to help them? And so now I have a whole thing that I send out to people that these are the things that you could do to help somebody who's grieving and, and in the beginning stages, right in the beginning. Um, because you know, so many of us, we don't know what to say. We don't know what, you know, what to do, all that kind of thing. And so many people go in and they say things like, well, let me know what you need. And I can tell you, um, You don't have a freaking clue what you need. I don't even know, I mean, in the first 24 hours, I don't know that I even, probably the first two days, I don't even know that I went to the bathroom. I have no clue how I even, if I even went to the bathroom. I know that I didn't eat. I know that, um, I know I didn't know how to take a shower. I completely, you know, didn't know, I didn't know how to bathe myself. I didn't know how to brush my teeth my mom had to reteach me all of those things. Like, it's almost like, um, and I hope not to offend anybody with this comment, but it's almost like you're a quadriplegic, and you, you just sit in one spot, and you're just immobile, and, and not knowing how to do anything. Um, The moving, and the, you know, just the daily Movement of life, you know, getting up, going to the bathroom, going to—I don't know—get on your computer to read, to you know, whatever you do. Um, John and I did not know how to do any of those things. We just sat in our bed, like we didn't know what to do.
0: Yeah. Um. So there's so much of that. Yeah. And yeah. In you saying that, like I, I remember, um, I was ten when my sister passed away, and she passed away at birth. And but I remember seeing that happen to my parents. Yes, You know, they, they didn't know because it all happened so fast and she, you know, she was doing fine. My mom was probably two weeks away from her due date. She goes to the doctor, they do an ultrasound and it's like, Oh no, something's wrong. We must get the baby now. Like that fast in four hours later, she's gone. And so I remember them just going through the motions just and not knowing how to feel and and obviously being 10 like I didn't know what to say and I didn't know what to do I was still trying to figure out in my where's world my baby sister how, you know I am supposed to have a <laughs> sister where's where's yeah. my sister why is she not coming home and and understanding that at a young age so I know what you mean um in that you just it's, it's like, like you're you just, comatose. Yeah, it's so you just, weird. You just don't know. And yeah. man, like I, I love kind of, cause this goes right into that, the community part of what I, what I want to talk about, because that's where as somebody that maybe if you've never gone through it, obviously I've never lost a child. Oops. If you've never gone through that exact thing, you can't relate exactly. You can maybe come at it from hell. Oh, I've lost a parent or I've lost a, a sibling. I've lost a friend. But it's knowing how do you support people in your community when they go through something like this. Yes. So, what is some of that advice that you give to people when they ask you? Um. How How do they relate to that person? What do they say?
1: Um. You know, a lot of it is just standard logistic kind of things. You know, make sure that they are hydrated. Uh, make sure that they are eating. Uh, make sure that there is. This sounds really crazy that there's paper products, toilet paper, paper towels, paper plates, plastic silver, you know, plasticware, paper cups that they're, that they have a Keurig so they can do easy coffee. I was making like, first of all, I don't drink coffee, so I don't know much about coffee, but people would come to that. They would just show up at the house. And so here I was making full pots of coffee and then they wouldn't drink any, or they'd have one cup. And I was like, oh, I'm wasting a lot of coffee. But, you know, you don't, I wasn't really thinking about that at the time. But it's like, oh, well, they're not here. Okay, I'm just going to dump this out. And, but you just, you just don't realize. And then you've got all these people through your house. And, and I'm a, I'm a Sam's Club kind of girl, you know, Costco kind of girl. I have tons of toilet paper and Kleenex and all that kind of stuff. And, and uh, I mean, we weren't. 24 hours into being home and we were completely out of toilet paper. And I swear to you, I probably had 24 rolls in the house. Um, But we, yeah, we were totally out of toilet paper. We had no paper plates and, you know, people are bringing all this food and I have nothing to eat off of because we've used all the regular plates. And, and, and so I'm constantly washing dishes and, um, you know, it's just, it's crazy logistical kind of things, but, but yeah, making sure they have paper products. Um, The other really big thing is making sure to keep them busy and um, going through pictures and counting their blessings that they had this person for the time that they had them. Uh, There's uh, I, I've spent, God probably, well, it took us over, it was a week exactly before we got home with Dalton um, from California and because we were on vacation, but it was a whole week before we ever got home. And, but when we got home, it was like, oh my gosh, now I have to plan a service and all that kind of stuff. And so all the logistics of the service, and I just kept thinking, I'm going to have to write so many thank you letters and all that kind of stuff. And so, um, again, this is outer body experience. Um, and I'm thinking, okay, think of this like a business. What would I do? Um, and so I had five of my best girlfriends show up at the celebration and I had an Excel spreadsheet prepared and they they were taking everybody's name, phone number, address, email, <laughs> um, checking everybody in so that when I was gonna send out thank you letters or whatever, I wouldn't have to hand write every single letter. Cause um and, and I know I don't mean to sound ungrateful, but when you've got over five hundred people showing up for your son's life celebration. Um believe me, writing five hundred thank yous would have been impossible for me to do. It was just um if I was physically writing all of that yeah um, so so I had them do excel you know spreadsheets on their computers and check everybody in and um and then going through pictures and 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 we as parents as as people in general who take pictures, when you're saving your pictures, save them with with the year, the month, and the day. Um, so that they're all in order. Uh, that was one of the things that was, I don't know why, but it was really important to me that all the pictures be in order. And um, and it really actually made sense when we were going through Dalton's celebration that the pictures were in order. So people got to see him grow up, you know, from, you know, a brand new baby all the way up through age 15. And, um, but it was really important to me to do that. And apparently many years ago, they didn't have that. And so, You know, there's so many pictures in there that it's like, oh, my God, when was this even taken? And, you know, where did where was this at? And that kind of a thing. And the things as a parent that you think you'll remember are. I mean, we we think we're amazing. We think, oh, yeah, that's the funniest thing he ever said. I'm totally going to remember that forever. And I got to tell you, if I didn't have so many things written down, I would not have remembered. And that's as a mom, that's your biggest fear is that you're going to forget Um, But I I also had someone kind of sit down and walk me through um, from the day Dalton died and backwards. Walk me through each day. Because you have so many questions. And I know this... Again, so much of it sounds ridiculous, but like John and I had this big old argument about what did we eat for dinner the la- the night before. Like, what was his last meal? You know what I mean? And it's like, well, I know we had steak and potatoes, and John's like, no, I know we had tri-tip. Blah 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 blah. I'm like, no, we did it. And <laughs> but it's the dumbest things that you're like, no, that's not how I remember it. This is how I remember it. You know this and um. But being able to kind of sit down and go through all of those moments from the time of death and step back into time, um, and just do it day by day by day, um, and get as far back as you can, because there's so many things that, first of all, that you'll, you'll forget, because your brain just goes blank and numb for two years, um, but, but that was really helpful to me to have somebody there to walk me through, okay, we need to start from the back end of things, and, and, or the you know this right here and move backwards into what happened where you were you know what are the last things dalton had done because you know, those are all things that while they might might not be important today um as a grieving parent um those are things that are important and they do come up and you do ask tons of questions about them and um so it's important to have that um the other really big thing was having a list so that when people came to the house they could check in you know, and say who was there, and I will tell you another crazy thing. People would be coming in, and they would wash dishes, and then they would put things away, and here I am, six, seven, eight months later in my house, like, where is that white bowl that has always been in this cabinet, (laughs) and then then you're like, okay, who was here that I can call and say, where did you put that bowl, (laughs) I know it's here. I know it's here. <laughs> and it sounds so crazy that that would ever even be important, but it is. Like, there's so many things that was like, you know, did the dog get fed today? I don't know if he got fed. Did Dax go out and go potty today? Did he, you know, did he? were these things actually happening? Did someone take care of him while I was trying to take care of me um, and get through the day? there's just so much of that and then if you were to have other children or you know other people around to know that oh yeah my you know they've been fed or that kind of a thing and I was so worried about everybody else here all these people are coming to be with us and I'm a caregiver so my whole worry was have these people eaten where are they gonna sleep you know we literally in a span of days had well over 200 people through our doors um and you know, in our house. And, and then you go back to the whole toilet paper thing. Who would have thought (laughs) that you go through that much toilet paper? Oh my gosh. So yeah, I mean, you just really got to think about all the logistics, but I will tell you as a grieving parent, um, and I hear this about people who have lost their spouses too, that going to the grocery store is one of the most painful experiences um, you can have. And I will tell you to me, six years later, it is still insanely painful to go to the grocery store. Um, And they say that that's maybe because, you know, you cooked for these people. You took care of these people. That's how you nurtured them. Um, In my case, Dalton loved to make eggs. He loved to cook breakfast. um, And I can't buy eggs. I can't do it. I just... If I go to the egg aisle, I have to grab the eggs. I can't even look at them and I have to put them in my cart and go and pay for them. Like I cannot even function with the whole idea of buying eggs. It's, I know it sounds insane, but anyway, so, so getting to my point there is if you can do grocery shopping for that person and just show up with groceries, don't ask them what they need. They don't have a freaking clue. Just show up, bring groceries, um, do your best, get them stuff that can be easily cooked, you know, that can be frozen easily, that can just go in the pantry. Um, Fresh fruit is good. Um, Bottled water, Gatorade, things that keep them hydrated. Um, And probably multivitamins (laughs)
0: because they're not eating. (laughs) You know, and it's it's really good advice. I mean, because I never thought about it in that way of just, of being that kind of support. You know, I've heard, I mean, even when I was, you know, went through losing my stepdad and my grandmother in the past couple of years, you know, people would be like, well, what can I do for you? I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't have a freaking idea. <laughs> I have no clue what you can do for me, but I'm kind of like, you know, I'm a care, I'm a, a caregiver type. And so I'm, I'm the one trying to make sure all the things are in place and, <laughs> Everything is where it's <laughs> supposed to be. And Are we staying on track and trying to be there for for my mom and my grandmother when my stepfather passed away and and so it was almost like for me I didn't I didn't get to grieve fully right for, right
1: for a while and which is probably good for you you had to be busy
0: yeah <laughs> keep them
1: busy yeah be, just be busy yes <laughs> we still do that yes
0: but really really great just really great advice. And just, it may seem like it's not, people may, may listen and say, well, gosh, I don't know why that would be, but if you've ever been through something like that, that is so helpful. So helpful. Yes. Oh, thank you for that. Thank you for that. Okay. (laughs) Um, so one of the things with the community part is with your book and the message that you're getting out there, what is your hope For this community that you're building
1: you know honestly I for the books themselves so on the parenting side of things um, people who still have their kids and you know um, our goal would be that these people are you know granted life gets busy we're all overwhelmed I get that but but the the fact that if if people can just take you know a few mindful moments every day and you know life is stressful. And I know that your kids drive you nuts and they get on your nerves and they leave crap lying around everywhere and they're late for everything. And, you know, all these things, I get that. And I know you got a billion clothes to wash and dishes to clean and all that kind of thing. But you know what, just be mindful with your kids. Just please, you know, take take some time every single day and sit down and 100% focus on your babies. And it doesn't matter how old they are, if they're brand new, or if they're, you know, 80 years old, take time with your kids and focus on them and, and let them know how much you care about them and that they are a special human being. And um, I think our world is moving so fast all the time. And people are consistently complaining about millennials or, you know, that kind of a thing, but you got to look back and look at their parenting at the parenting that has been happening. And, you know, if parents are on their phones all the time, you know, that's what their kids see. And, and they're not teaching their kids how to communicate and they're not communicating themselves. And so I'm just, the biggest goal would be that people really are taking time to be mindful. Uh, with their families and, and really with anybody, you know, for me to be here with you today and to be totally focused right here, me, you, we're Mm -hmm. having this conversation, we're going through it, right? So, so say for work, I have a meeting and I'm going to meet with somebody, you know what, put your phone away be there, be present, be in the moment. And so it doesn't, it's not even always with your family. It's with every relationship that you're in, be it somebody you just met at a conference or somebody that you're going to lunch with for work or a client that you're just meeting, but be there, listen, be present. And, um, put your phone away. That's, I say that so much in my life now, um, but put your phone away and all your electronics and just focus on the human being that is in front of you. They deserve that. You deserve that.
0: Oh, I'm just going to give you a big old amen. <laughs> just a big old amen to that because it is it's so true. And I try to be much more mindful of that these days. Um, I've grown up, You know, my, my past is I sold cell phones. That's what I did when I started my career. And so I've, I feel like I've been part of that generation. That's kind of made us <laughs> like, here, buy the camera phone, buy the thing that text messages, get your email, get your website. Uh, I feel like I fed that, but and it is a great tool. Don't get me wrong. It's oh, it's know, an amazing
1: tool. Use yeah. the tools you've been given, Yes, yes. But, but use them in the right place at the right time.
0: Yes. You know, I, I just, you know, I've tried to be so mindful recently. I turned on screen time on my phone. So now like my phone doesn't, doesn't let me, um, in quotations, there doesn't let me do things from set, oh. from 10 PM to 7 AM unless cool. I tell it to ignore it. Like okay. I'll ignore, like I'll go to do my mute, like listen to music in the morning. And so I'll, yeah, ignore that for the day. I can listen to music and still be okay. But you know, I Instagram, Facebook, Any email, anything like that is dark on my phone until 7 a.m. That's important. Absolutely. You know, so I really try, you know, when I'm somewhere, I leave my phone in my purse, unless, you know, I'm taking a picture with my husband, take a picture of the food, and then I put it right back. I try to be much mindful, much more mindful of that. So that is great advice. Thank you for echoing some of the stuff I say on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) You haven't even heard it. So, Okay, um, Ronnie, my last thing for you um any final i mean you've given us a lot of advice, you've given us a lot of tips, but is there anything else that you um that you would like to share with our listeners um that can help them either build their career or help their customer or support their communities?
1: um I just again, you want to be present, you know obviously, but i am a I am a huge believer in just random acts of kindness. Just go out and do something really nice for somebody today. And when I say really nice, that could be you actually stopped and listened to that homeless guy. You talked to him. You know, you didn't give him money. You didn't give him food, but you talked to him. You listened to him. He's a human being. Um, But go out and do just perform a random act of kindness. And then, you know, when you're all done with it, if if they know who you are and it wasn't like a secret, um, ask them if that someday when they have the ability to, You know, pay that forward and do something nice for someone else in the future. Just, um, I don't know, be present in your life and really just try and make this world a better place. Get up every morning and say, how can I make this world a better place?
0: Mm. So good. So (laughs) good, Ronnie. Oh my gosh. Okay. So um, what is the best way for us to connect with you? Well, let's see. So
1: I'm on Facebook as Ronnie Wing Lambrecht um and my website is parenting at your best without my books are on amazon uh and again at they're on amazon you can find them parenting at your best without regrets um or just parenting at your best even um or you can find them by my name Ronnie Wing Lambrecht
0: Awesome. And I'll make sure there are links to all of those in our show notes so people can go and get them. (laughs) But Ronnie, it's been a pleasure to see you again. I know nobody else can see (laughs) you but me, but uh, I have greatly enjoyed seeing your face again and hearing your story and just getting to know you a little bit more and all the things that you brought to my community uh, with on this podcast. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you today. Thank you. I am truly thankful for the conversation that I had with Ronnie. It is a testament to see how you can take something that is absolutely a tragedy in your life, but turn it into a driving force to carry yourself on and forward. While things can't change in the past, using those things can help you create a better future where you are able to impact more people in a different way and maybe a way that you never expected that you would be able to. So I hope that you took something away from this conversation today. Please let me know over on Instagram. I'd love to share that conversation with you. And last but not least, as I always want to make sure that you know, please know you are loved, you are worthy and there are so many great things ahead of you in this life. Thank you so much. We'll see you next week. So to make sure that you don't miss out on next week's episode, please go ahead and hit that subscribe button so you get notified. Come on and join the conversation over on Instagram and follow me at Ms. Heather B. Dot or at Polka Dot Desk. We are here for you and look forward to bringing you more information about career, customers, and community. This podcast is brought to you by the Polkadot Desk.